Hey, let's, let's get ready to receive the Word. God, God has something important to, te to, to teach us today, I believe, with all my heart. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and we just thank you and we praise you. That, that Lord, we come before you in your presence. And Father, we hallow your name. We honor you. We lift you up. And Father God, we can look unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father God, we know that in your presence is fullness of joy, is strength, is help, is hope. Father, we thank and praise you that even in our greatest moments, we're still lacking without you. And God, we don't want to be without you. And so, Father, we just thank and we praise you that in your presence, that Lord God, we'll call upon the name of the Lord, that we'll honor you for who you are. We'll hallow you and honor and respect you. But Father, we'll, we'll have both a fear of you and reverence and a love for you and a, and, a, and a personal relationship that allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, dearest Daddy. The Lord God, we can know you in that close personal way and we give you praise for it. We thank you, Father God, that you are there for us in every circumstance and situation because your word declares that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord God, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So, Father, compared to every need that is before us, every time of emotional need, of physical need, of of a material need that, that God, regardless of the circumstance or the situation, that God, you are enough. And Lord, we can worship you and we can honor you. We can praise you. Father, we thank and we praise you that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are our healer, that you are the one who, who brings by your stripes healing and health according to your word. God, we thank and we praise you, Lord God, that every scar of the past is, is healed, that every broken part of our life is, is healed and restored. Every devastation from sin and mistakes and failures, God, are, are under the blood of Jesus. And there's no comparison for you and what you provide. God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that you're also our physical healer, that Jesus bore our sickness and our pain. And God, I thank you and I praise you that sickness and disease was never able to overcome Jesus as He walked this earth and demonstrated Your will. So God, today we declare healing and health for us. The Father, Your Word even declares that You give us strength that, that renews us like the eagles. The Father, that we can run and not be weary, that we can walk and not faint, that God, You can give us physical ability and strength to handle the challenges of this day and this week. God, we just worship you, we praise you, we hallow you in every respect, in every, every area of our life. Father, we thank you that you're Jehovah Shalom, you are the peace that passes understanding. And Father, because of your word, we know that we can, we can cast every care onto you, for you care for us. We thank you, Lord God, that when there's the turmoil and the storms of this life steal our peace, that God, the greater one, lives on the inside of us and works on the inside of us. And so, Father, we praise you. We thank you for your presence, for the peace that passes understanding. God, I thank you and I praise you that I'm, I, don't have to I don't have to know how you're going to do it. I just know you are. And we give you praise for it. We give you thanksgiving for it. We praise you, Lord God, that you are greater than, than all these things before me. And I look unto you, Lord God. I worship you and I praise you, Father. Now, Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that we desire in our lives that your kingdom come and your will be done in this church and in our lives. 
Father, according to your word, that we were going to walk in the kingdom power of God, what's available, every ounce, every part, every portion, in Jesus' name. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you, Father, that we can, we can declare with our mouths that your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you give us promise in your word that if we'll delight ourselves in you, that you give us the desires of our heart, that you'll set our heart to align with you. And Father, when we're submitted to you, that we've tapped into the, the resources of heaven. We thank you, Father God, that you order our steps, that you, you guide our paths, and that, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done is a, is a prayer of declaration and petition. And God, we're calling for it today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this church in our fam the families represented in this church, and us in our individual lives. Father, we praise you. We thank you for it. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know, I didn't plan on doing that. Didn't rehearse that. In fact, didn't think a thing about it. But you know, sometimes I, I think there, this, this prayer guide that I've been talking about, and I'm going to wrap this up this week, I believe. Um, I don't like going on into a teaching into eight weeks. I think that's a long time. But at the same time, I believe this is as significant as any thing that we that we I teach, because this gives us access to the very throne of God. And I know this isn't for the faint of heart. This isn't for the casual Christian. But when we start talking about tapping into God's presence by prayer. We're talking about going to another level. We're talking about putting ourselves in position to overcome all the attacks of the enemy. Because I don't know about you, but when we realize there is a God who loves us, and there's also an enemy named Satan who wants to kill, steal, and to destroy in our lives. And the closer we get to God or the more we dedicate our lives to God, the more ferocious that fight or battle can become. But God is greater, and He that's in us is greater than He that's in the world. Everything that the world throws at us, God has given us the ability to do it. I taught a series over at the High Call, or at, uh, not, at uh, the Cowboy Church uh, called uh, Are You Fed Up? You know, sometimes in life we just got to be fed up with, with where we're at we got to finally just, I remember just at times in my life, I was like, no, devil, you're not going to have any more ground in my life. You're, you're not going to steal my peace or the peace of my wife. You know, you as a, if you're married, you as a couple have a resource in, in, in power, in agreement that, that multiplies your, your strengths. And when you're unified together to stand against things, you have a power that is amazing. But you also have power, even if that other one is not in agreement, and especially, I believe God set men in as, as spiritual heads of their household. And, and men, you, you are responsible to in large degree. But you know what? If the man's not stepping up, you women have a, an absolute power of the power of God, same as a man, to, to stand in the presence of God and declare things over your family. Somebody needs to be doing it, amen? Because I see the devil coming to rob in certain families in our, in, our, in our church, in our communities, in our nation, in the world, because the devil loves to destroy and separate and divide. That's why this is so powerful. Because just like I started, I, I believe, man, I, I don't know about you, but it was, I, I, there was a struggle in the start of this service. Now, maybe it's just with me. But I sensed in my spirit there was a lot of things trying to destroy what God wants to do today. And you know what? I ain't going to have it. 
God is going to take His place in this church and in this service because He wants to speak into your lives in a way today that I believe is, is mighty and powerful. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. There's people gone. And that frustrates me sometimes because I could sit and I could say, well, you know, this person needs to hear this, and this person needs to hear this, and this person needs to hear this. But you know what? I never prepare a sermon with somebody exactly in mind because never fails every time I've ever done that. That person doesn't show up. Almost without fail. Long time ago, I quit doing that. I, I remember as a young man, you know, when I first started preaching, man, I'd be, I'd get a word from God, you know, and it was hard to get a word from God back then. I mean, I, I it's always, uh, it, it was, it was a challenge because I didn't know much word, and you know, it was like, you know, I was, I, I was, I was really struggling, and I, rem I remember, man, I'd have the heavens open after like six hours of praying and seeking God and, you know, a week of study and all these things. And, and I, I just remember how much work it was and at the be, in the beginning because I had to prove every word I was going to say. And, and I, there was so much study and things that went into it. And there still is, but I have resources to draw from now. So it's not as, you know, experience and things. It, it's not as, doesn't take as long to, you know, because every word I say is, I, I've already got it maybe established in a lot of ways. But anyway, I remember, and, I, and I'd just be thinking, boy, Man, Joetta, she needs this word. This is for her. And 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 I'd be I'd be thinking, oh man, oh sister, so oh man, and 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 oh so and so, man, he, boy, this is gonna help him. And I'd think, you know, I'd think, wow, I got God's word for for these people. And then they wouldn't show up. And it'd be flat. And because I, I thought, well, these other people know this, they don't need it. What I what I learned was is, is God absolutely knows the things that we don't even reveal to people. It's easy to want to help the ones that it's obvious, but what I've learned to know is that God's Word goes forth when it's under the anointing and the power of God. It's, it's, it's ministering and speaking to us. But you know what? On a daily basis, we can tap into that. And in prayer, like I demonstrated, that's the way I pray this prayer. I come before God and I say, God, I worship you, I praise you. And we set that tone. I've said this for eight weeks, I know. But you know what? Here's the thing. When we develop that, Listen, there will be things that will fight you to, to, to walk in that. If you decide, I'm going to pray this prayer, you'll wake up with a headache, you'll wake up late, early, whatever. There will be a kid wake up. Do you got kids in the house still? I remember I'd have to get up really early because, the, you know, invariably I'd get in good prayer time and one of my kids would wake up or somebody, you know, trying to find a, a, a place to do this and, and be away and be alone and be where I could, you know, come before God and everything. Sometimes it was a struggle. But here's the thing. If we continue to seek Him, there's times that we got to be a little bit gritty, a little bit grit your teeth and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to allow anything to keep me from it. You know, as we've talked about through the, this model of prayer out of, out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and you can turn over there because we're going to read the, the final verses today, and I believe wrap this up. But in, in, this, in these verses... Uh, and we're using the King James Version, even though I'm teaching now the New Living Translation, because that's what we do every after the Lord's, or we do, when we recite the Lord's Prayer together, we do the King James Version. But our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be our name, or may your name be kept holy. You know, that is, that is the beginning of this. And then he, the second part he goes into, and according to your prayer guide, does anybody not have a prayer guide? If you need a prayer guide, well, James left, but... There, does anybody not have one of these? You got one of these prayer guides? Okay. If you need one, raise your hand and somebody will get you one. We got some floating around here. But it, 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 the first part is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The second part is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
And that's what I began to establish. God, I want your kingdom power working in my life, in my family, in this place, in my business, everything. And then we go to give us this day our daily bread, and we talked about that in, in depth as well. And if you've missed some of these teachings, they're on the Facebook or on, the, on, the, um, on, on High Call Ministry, I believe, on the podcast. we got them floating around. We'll get them to you. But I want to get into this, this, last, this last part. Verse 12, and forgive us our sins. One, one, one uh, says debtors, one says translate, uh, trans, transgressions. But he's talking about sins. I like this, this version. He says, forgive us our sins. He says, um, as we forgive, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, or, but, but rescue us from the evil one. I may not spend as much time in this part of that verse 13 today because I'm going to try to wrap this up and I don't know how much time I'm going to have. But I want you to see in verse 14, he comes back and he says, if you, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive, also will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that's a hard verse. God takes forgiveness of others and forgiveness very, very seriously. You know, I, I've wrestled with that, and, and a lot of the commentaries just dodge it. They don't really want to deal with it, I think. It's a hard verse to, to, to deal with, but as I've prayed and, and sought that, I, I feel like that because if we understand, and we're going to talk about this, but when we understand what God has done for us, truly understand that, it's pretty hard for us to withhold forgiveness to someone else when we realize how, how God forgave us. I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying this, is that if we realize and recognize the power of forgiveness of what Jesus has provided, but what God extends to us, then I believe we're, that's how we are saved. But man, if we're still walking in judgment and criticism of others, right, wrong, or otherwise... I mean, I, I listen to, to, uh, to different people, you know, especially so, social media is just amazing. It's, it's fun sometimes to read the comments and how ignorant people sound in condemning somebody who they know very little about. I, I just, it's laughable sometimes. Trevor Brazil, if, if you don't know who Trevor Brazil is, he's only the winningest cowboy, rodeo cowboy to ever walk the earth. He's won more with a rope than than any man alive, you know, millions, more, 26 world titles. I mean, he's, he is the man, all right? The goat, yeah, there's no question. Now, individual events maybe, but as the overall cowboy and all around, he, he's, he's won more. He was showing a video of him practicing for the, 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 one of the rope companies that sponsored him. He's retired now, but he's out there and he's roping. Guys on the, in the comments are saying, well, you didn't do this, or you didn't do that, or I see you, you, you pulled your slack with your left hand, or well, you ought to have you. And I'm like, oh, I wanted to comment so bad. <laughs> you fool, do you, do, you, do you know how stupid you sound critiquing a man who has won, you know, probably seven or eight million dollars over his career and, and, and is still, only, he retired, and only the reason he quit winning him is because he retired to, to, to allow his kids to begin to do their thing and he followed him and his wife take their kids and follow them around. I love, I love seeing him following his post still. Good godly man, good Christian man. But here's the thing. People are critiquing him. You know what? 
Last time I figured it out, I ain't perfect. I got enough to worry about focusing on me. And I think a lot of times that's kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, bring everything into perspective a little bit. You're judging, you're criticizing, you're saying, well, that person's fake, or that person's not good enough, or that person doesn't do this right. Yet neither do we. I think, we, I think what God's trying to, for, trying to get us into a place in this section of Scripture is to remind us how good God is and how much grace is extended to us, but also to not open ourselves up to, to the devil to begin to beat us in places, to beat us in places and areas of our life by keeping us held back by, by holding these things in. He says, if you're truly, I believe what he's saying in those verses, if you're truly saved... You can extend grace. You can extend forgiveness because you've been forgiven of so much. So I wasn't that bad of a person. But you sure weren't that good either, right? None of us are. I hope you're not offended by the fact that you realize that you're not good enough on your own. If you are, there's a reality check, right? We, we realize that we, we, we can't earn this. We don't deserve it. But that's what grace is. And God, I remember... God met me on the road driving from my church service in Russellville, Arkansas, where I had, I think I had preached and somebody criticized one of my sermons. I was the associate pastor in, a, in that large church over there, and I didn't preach on Sunday mornings very often. I did the Wednesday and Sunday nights a lot. But I'd gotten to preach. There was eight, nine hundred people there. It was a phenomenal service. It was great. Every part of it was awesome. All these people said, you know, great job. You did good. But one or two said, well, you didn't do this right, or you didn't do that right, or I wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that, whatever. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't the first time, it wasn't the last. But I was griping to God. And God said to me, as I was pulling off of I-40, just north of the London, Ar on, at London, Arkansas's exit, I was pulling off I-40, headed up to our house at Chimney Rock Road, first house we ever owned and bought. God said, I stopped at the little stop sign to go to turn onto the private road or the, the, the short the county road. Give the same grace to them that I extended you. I mean, it was like he was sitting in a cab with me. Now, I've told that story before, but it never be, is never any less profound to me that God spoke to me that clearly about something so simple. He was checking me. Now, I could have said, but God. I preached a great sermon for you. But humility said, oops, yes, sir. And, and I'm thankful for that. You see, in, this, in my notes here, I, I wrote down, there's a song. It says, I owed a debt I could not pay. I paid a debt. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone that could wash my sins away. So now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. My Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. I'm going to tell you what, we ought to sing that song on a regular basis. You ought to just let that sink in once in a while. And that's what this is about. Daily, we ought to have a daily reminder of how good His grace is, how much He's done for us. That we couldn't do it. He paid a debt He didn't know. He didn't have to go to the cross. And I know that's simple for us who've heard that a jillion times. 
But how powerful it is because that's the central thing that is the most important of all that we know is that Jesus paid that price for us. And it should never become less valuable to us. And that's what he, Jesus is, is preparing them for. He hadn't even gone to the cross yet. But, but God's mercy and His grace and His love for His people, it didn't start at the cross. It was pictured all the way through the Old Testament. You know, it's important to note that, that here, though, He's not talking about a daily justification. So once we make Jesus Lord, we shouldn't have to continue to go back and we're not resaved every day, right? I remember as a youth pastor, we'd have youth conference or youth service, and the, boy, whoever's preaching, they'd preach the, they'd scare, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's like preach it so hard that everybody's like, well, I, I, I think I'm saved, but just in case, man, I'm going to go to the front, you know, just so we get the altars filled. And I'd finally have to tell people, okay, look, some of you kids, if, if, did you make this decision for real? I mean, is it, you are, you've invited Jesus in, you have received this. Okay, you are saved. All right, understand that. Don't worry. Don't live in, in fear of, of, of dying and going to hell. But if there's sin, you want to rededicate, you want to reestablish, that's, that's something different. And I think on a daily basis, sometimes in certain periods of our life or certain seasons, we may need to just... Make that certain again. Just come back and say, God, I, I confess you as Lord. You are Lord over my life. I took the reins today, yesterday. I've been, I've been running my life, but today, and that's part of that. That's that rededication. God, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior today. Jesus, be my Lord. And that's part of that, I believe. But we're really not, we're not reestablishing the relationship. We're still his child. He's still our father. That doesn't change. I've had my kids do things that I wasn't proud of. I've had them do things that were in direct opposition to what I've said. I've had, there's been times when they've done things that disappointed me. But I never quit loving them. And they never quit being my child. There were things that you go, oh dear, would you quit posting? Or would you quit doing? Or would you quit saying? Or, what? or you find out later on, you did what? I hope not very many people knew about that. Kind of like my mom, when we tell her, my sisters and brother and I get together and we talk about some of the things that we did, and she goes, I never knew that. It's a good thing, right, at the time. Good thing for me and good thing for her, right? But see, here's the thing. Fellowship sometimes gets broken, and that's what sin does. And, it, and it's, it's a wedge in our heart and keeps us out. And so that's what we're reestablishing in, in declaring Jesus as Lord and, and asking and repenting and, and having forgiveness. There's such a power in, in forgiveness. It's an amazing thing, both in our receiving it and our giving it. I mean, the first thing we gotta, we got to understand is we are forgiven. When we repent, you know, what I love is 1 John 1.9. We've got to have that understood. 1 John 1.9 says that if, that if we confess our sin, now that's for the believer because you're still going to fall short. You're still going to walk in judgment, or you're still going to walk in jealousy. You're still going to fall in anger. You're still going to have the, the thoughts you shouldn't have, whatever sin. But you come on a daily basis, and you can repent and be restored in fellowship. Relationship wasn't broken, but fellowship. We can, we can align ourselves back into a place and position that, that we have confidence to come boldly to the throne of grace. 
We don't have to back in with our head bowed out of fear that, you know, we can come in boldly because we've made things right. That's what that song says. It says, I, I needed someone to wash my sins away. Well, that's through repentance. So it's important we understand that. I want us to look, um, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And, I, and I'm going I'm to take a minute to hit a few scriptures here. I've got others written down, but I'm, I'm not going to take the time. I want you to capture this understanding. 4.17 in Ephesians. Um, it says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. You know, here's the thing. Even though we have His grace, we also have a responsibility to live differently. The world would say that's justified. That thought, that idea, that, that bitterness or that resentment or that the holding that, that's fair. After all, look what they did. Or look how they acted. Or look what they said. All that stuff. But yet the power of God says, live differently than the Gentiles, those that are without God. Verse 18 says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they, they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. You see, that's what happens when we worship, when we pray this way in, in the, with this Lord's Prayer and we spend that time with God. I'm telling you, your heart, the darkness of your heart will... God will shed the light of the Word of God. Will, he'll shed light on every area that's, that's hardened. And if we're willing to, we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in my life. He'll reveal to us the areas where we're weak, where we've failed, where we're... Where, he's just like He did me. So you, you don't... He's, you know, basically was saying, you don't have a, a, a cause to judge them or to, or, to, or, to, or to hold grace from them. Look at what I've done for you. Uh, in verse, verse 30, he says, And do not borrow, bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted and forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus Christ forgave you. Sounds like he's saying, give the same grace to others as I've given you. That last part I've got highlighted and underlined. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. He says, get, get rid of these other things. Get rid of bitterness. Don't carry it. You know, what? I want to I I show you something. Turn to um, Lamentations chapter 3. I hadn't been in Lamentations, Lamentations much. If you, if you try to find Lamentations, don't be scared. It's in there. It's just a little book. And if you find, it's right after Jeremiah, right before Ezekiel. So if you go after Psalms and Proverbs, going towards the New Testament, if you flip through there, you can find it. Ezekiel's fairly big. You'll find Isaiah, keep going to the right towards the New Testament, you'll hit Jeremiah. If you get to Ezekiel, back up. You've been too far. In, in one of my Bibles that doesn't have all the commentary, it's only like two or three pages, so it's really hard to find. Your pages might even be stuck together there if the Bible's not very old, you know. 
But in chapter 3, I, I didn't even bring the Bible that I underlined all this in. This, uh, this Bible, uh, I've never even underlined this, but I want you to see something. Verse 22. Now, understand the book of Lamentations is five poems written by Jeremiah while Israel was experiencing a divine judgment because of sin. He sees God's mercy even in the midst of the devastation caused by their disobedience. This is what's amazing is Israel was going through all this, this divine judgment and they were going to go through more, but, but God was still there for them. And look in verse 22. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. I, I love this. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. The King James says, Fail, fails not. His mercies never cease. They never fail. Now, the interesting thing is, well, let's read verse 23. Great is His faithfulness. There's a song. Great is thy faithfulness. Okay, great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. They, re, they are new. They renew. Great is His faithfulness. His mercy, mercies begin afresh every, every morning. I want, I want you to understand what this, this word mercies means, or mercy. And, and I want you to understand this. Out of the commentary of the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, one of the contributors, Stephen Fry, says this about the understanding of God's mercies. The word mercy has been... the or, or maybe the most essential word in the Old Testament describing God's character to us. Now, that's pretty amazing because we went through all the names of God, describing the different attributes, it, it, giving examples of things that God does for us, and yet this one word, mercy, may say more about His character towards us than any other word. In the text, mercy describes the Father's acute emotional yearning for a wayward people. In noting how God's mercies are new every morning, this text suggests a need, we need His mercies more often than we may think, whether we feel weak or strong. You know, I was, I was thinking about it as I, as I began to dwell on that and as, in studying and pre preparing for this. Do we know we need His mercy when we're weak? Yeah. When, 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 we're, when we're in weakness, when we've fallen, or when we're, we're in, if we have a real true heart for God, I mean, man, we know we, we need His mercy. God, I need, your, I need your mercy. I need your grace. We, a lot of times we'll say grace because that's a new, more New Testament term. God, I need your mercy. But what about when we're strong? We still need His mercy. Why? Because when we're strong, what do we do? We start leaning on our own strength, our own understanding. We, we say, oh, God, you're busy with all these other people that all these weak people that have all these problems. I got this. What happened real quickly is pride comes in. That's one of the most humbling things about sharing the Word, preaching the Word, teaching, doing what I do all the time. It's because I know without God, I'm, I got just a little bit. But I also, I also know that, that all I have to do is call out for His help, and He's there for me. I have to do my part. I have to prepare. I have to study. I have to research. I have to, you know. 
I've seen it where, you know, two or three services, whatever. I mean, man, I just roll. I can just, there's times I could just go up and without any notes, just God, give me one word. I mean, I do a deal every morning. And, and I don't always have time to, I mean, I just usually open, sometimes it's almost like open the Bible and do this and go, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. It's not quite that bad, but it's, it's, it's you know, I, I don't study and prepare for that every morning before, sometimes more, than, more so than others, but yet God shows up. But if I ever begin to get proud and think, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm, boy, that was, that was, I'm good. Me and Sue will joke afterwards sometimes. I go, man, did you hear that preacher? He was on fire today. But you know what? It's always, it's, it's never sincere in that because I've seen God step back. In our strength sometimes, pride can set in. And one of the greatest enemies we have or the greatest fears we ought to have is to get into pride in an area. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. I'm better than that person. I'm good. I'm better than that person. That's what this is all about. When, when we recognize and we remember on a day to day, say, we don't have to spend a lot of time here sometimes. Sometimes we need to spend a lot of time here. Oh, God, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for what you've done for me. Spending some time recognizing that, we recognize God in our weakness, but even in our strength, it's like, oh, thank you, God, that you put me here. And God, I thank you. It's only by you that I can sustain this. That way you're protected. It's a protection for us. Because I don't know about you, but it's hard to sustain things long time, over and over again. Why do so few remain in ministry? Why do so few, you know, even sticking in church sometimes, staying with a, staying with a, a, a Bible study that starts and, and you staying with a, a study that you decide you're going to start, there'll be all kinds of challenges. I'm going to study on that, and boy, there'll be all kinds of challenges. Anytime you decide to do something, God's there for us to, to walk us through, but we need to remember it, it's by that mercy, by His mercy, by His strength, by His provision, by what He does. Look at this. I, I want to read this as well. God's mercy is His compassion towards us even when we deserve punishment. Mercies is the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, and can be translated covenant love or steadfast love, and it's linked to compassion. You think about it. God in His compassion loved us in spite of us. Boy, that's good. I'm thankful for that. I mean, I hadn't always been a really bad guy, or I wasn't a really bad guy. I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was horrible, but I was sure disqualified to be a preacher. Still, or, or, or sure disqualified to even be, you know, we're just not, I mean... But it doesn't matter how good or how bad. His compassion, He loved us that much anyway. Even at our best, we weren't good enough. You know, uh, the, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 3 calls God's mer God, God the Father of mercy. And in Ephesians 2, 4, it says he, that He's rich in mercy. So it's all we're in the New Testament as well. But we, we see that where, where the mercy of God, I, I wrote it down here somewhere, We've heard it said that God's grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Unmerited favor, the gift of salvation, we receive that. It's, it's what we don't deserve. And God's mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Man, that's good. God in His love and His mercy and His grace. 
You see, we're saved by grace through faith. That's established over in the book of Romans very well. We've taught that. We want to understand this. See, when grace, when grace emphasize with where, where grace emphasizes the freeness of God's love toward us, mercy stresses the freeing of our lives from the misery of disobedience. In grace, we, we receive the free gift of salvation, and in mercy, we receive the freedom from the consequence of sin long-term. We may have a momentary... You, you, if you get caught stealing, you may have to go to jail or whatever. I mean, if you get caught in a sin or in something, you may have the consequences, but not the spiritual consequences. Sin will, sin will wear you down. Holding on to, to unforgiveness. Holding on to bitterness, resentment. I, I, I heard it said, the heaviest weight in the world is to carry on your back as a pack of grudges. I know, I know people that carry grudges, man. He did me wrong, by golly. Man, God says free yourself from that. Be free from that. I sure am glad that God doesn't remember my sin, my failure, my wrongdoing, my times when I shoved Him away, my times when I said no to God, my times when I said, you know, blamed God, was mad at God. I sure am glad He doesn't remember those. You know, the power of God to forgive. So when... When we come to God for forgiveness as believers, by His mercy He removes our sin and, we're, and we have access to God because of His blood, because of the blood of Christ. That gives us the ability to confess our sin and be free. Then by faith we must forgive others and show them mercy as well. When we begin to realize and understand the mercies of God and the power of God that's available because of that, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. We need to unpack all of our envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, revenge, and fear. Man, I'm telling you, it's a freeing thing when we get to that place. You know, the last part of this, this prayer guide, and I'm going to wrap this up, is... Uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. But I want to I want to just take a moment and just mention this. God doesn't lead us into temptation. It's not what Jesus was saying, because James says that God doesn't tempt us. What what that's really saying is is that God lead us in a way that that misses temptation. Temptation, trials, all those things, they produce something in us. They, call, they cause us to cry out to God, to, to seek God, and, and, and God will use those, not that He brings them, but He'll use those to, as, as training times, as growth times, as testing times. But He doesn't need those. That we could do them without them. We could do without the, a lot of those things. But what we want to say is, we, God, I want you to lead me in a, in a way that overcomes temptation and delivers us from the evil one. And I put down here the, the Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 
as the armor of God in a way to make that your closing prayer. You can, you can think through this as you pray these verses. Father, I, I thank you that you've given me the ability to fight against the evil forces of Satan. I thank you, Lord God, that you've given me the weapons of my warfare. I declare that, that I'm strong in the Lord and the power of your might, according to Ephesians 6.10, verse 11. I thank you that I, I put on your armor so that I can stand against the strategies of the devil. Lord, give me the ability to stand today. Lord, I take a stand with the truth of God and the armor of God's righteousness. Lord, I thank you that I have the, the preparation of the gospel of peace and I'm fully prepared with the good news of the gospel at every opportunity God put me in a place where I can share the love of Jesus with someone. Lord, I, th I thank you that you've given me the verse 16 that, that I can have the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I thank you, Lord, that I can put on the, sal put on the helmet of salvation, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I thank you, Lord God, that, that, that I, can I can pray and receive the help of the with the help of the Holy Spirit how to pray on every occasion. And you can extend this however long you need to. Pray in Psalms 91. You know, declaring by faith, Lord, I set my faith, that last part under yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Set your faith to say, Lord, I'm not going to draw back. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. I praise you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. As you begin to pray and spend time in this, I didn't write the scripture. I'm going to do, do a supplement, but there's a lots of scriptures that you can add in as you go through. Ones that you'll stand on. You say, God, this is what I'm believing for. That's what this is about. But it's setting our heart in the presence of God to do something that is unnatural. In the world, the, the, the world does things different, but with God, we walk in a way that, that it's beyond what, what seems natural to man. So let's stand and and let's just, let's just uh, pray and just solidify this word in our hearts. Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that there's such a power in the word of God going forth. And Lord, as, as, as we open our hearts and, and are willing to receive your word, God, you never commanded us to do anything without also giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to get it done. It's not easy to walk in, to even receive forgiveness sometimes. You may be in this place or you may be listening and, or there may come a day or time where your, your sin weighs you down. But God says, give it to Him. That's the receiving of forgiveness. Let it free you. Declare before God, God, I'm forgiven. Not because I feel any different, but because you said you would. And Lord, I repent of it. I give it to you. You may have to, by faith, on a daily basis, declare, God, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And every time the devil comes with the thought, you're sorry, you're no good. Remember what you did. You can say it's under the blood. I, I, I gave it to God. Jesus took my, took my, my sin. He took it. And you can even see that, picture that. Lord, I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you, Lord God, that I'm forgiven. Making that declaration. You may also have to, 
by faith, say, God, I forgive these individuals, this person, the whatever. God, I release them. I give them to you. I let you deal with it, God. And I pray, God, that you deal with them as you will. I release them. I give them to you. I forgive them just as you forgave me. When we make a choice and a decision to do this, it isn't always going to be easy, but it's the absolute command of God. So it's also there's the power to do it. You can say, God, I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not sure I can in myself, but Lord, with you, I can do all things. So you give it to God. And 30 minutes later, when that thought comes and that bitterness and there's teeth, and when, when those jaws tighten and those teeth are clenched, you say it again. God, I give it to you. I give it to you. When the thought or the reminder of your sin or your past, you say, God, I give it to you. I'm walking in what you say, God. I give it to you. So, Father, I just pray today that we receive this word, that we understand this word, and that we walk in this word so that we can be free to have all the joy of the fellowship with you and the burden and the grudges and the weight of unforgiveness and the heaviness of bitterness are laid aside. We're cast on you. And God, I praise you and I thank you that we can be free in you. I give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.